2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings. It's time 2022 fantasy football wide receiver rankings we got to make the list. The list is not done yet. That's why I brought on Mike Leone from EstablishTheRun.com to talk through it. I want to talk through all these guys, see if we can separate them into tiers. I'm going to do the same thing with Sealy for running backs. And then, yeah, we probably don't need a quarterbacks and tight end show to do the same thing. That would just be you know filling time, unless I need to fill some time. Then we're getting straight to the 150 top rankings and going from there. Michael, it has been since October 24th of last year since you've been on the show. It's prime time for football season now. we got to talk.
3: Yeah, it's been way too long, although for me, that might be a good thing because I haven't had to be reminded of the terrible bets that I made in last year's version of getting you prep for your wide receiver rankings.
2: This is true, but I parlayed some of that Brennan Cook's money from last year into Brennan Cook's money from this year with your colleague, Justin Herzig, who was on, he was on for two shows. We talked about week 17 correlations, along with some of the top stacks for DraftKings best ball. And we talked overall DraftKings best ball strategy. You can find the entire Pat Mayo experience draft package, completely free by the way, down in the description of this podcast, this video, whatever it is, all the shows that we've done so far covering fantasy football for the 2022 season are in there. Just go click on it, catch yourself up, you can get yourself up on the podcast feed as well. I'm going to smash the like button for this video and give me your one receiver right now who is, you know, being ranked outside the top 10 that you think has the best chance to finish as a top 5 wide receiver in PPR. Format scoring for this season. I'm curious to see who people think are going to be the Cooper Cup of 2022. Can't be Cooper Cup because he's going at number one overall right now in terms of wide receivers. So it can't be him. It's got to be someone from down the list that you think is going to have a big breakout. Season. Uh, additionally, if you want to run your own projections completely free, go over to runthesims.com. I uh, just put in your email address. There is pay stuff on the site for betting and for daily fantasy. But for season-long projections, all that stuff is completely free. Just takes an email, go to the projection builder, and boom, you can customize it any way you want. Create your own rankings once you realize that mine are probably terrible. However, Mike, we did pretty well last year, I thought. The ranks were good.
3: Yeah, I think we were on Cooper cup, if I remember correctly. So I'm just going to assume we were on Cooper cup. Let's just, let's just put that W in the bank. But yeah, I'm excited for this year's version of the show. I do think wide receiver is a little bit thinner in those like rounds three through six range. So it be interesting to talk through that portion of the draft.
2: Well, not to jump too far ahead, but I just spoke with on the previous show with your colleague Anthony Amico, and we were talking about the Browns' offense. And obviously, I'm going to rally for Brendan Cooks to be higher than he is probably ranked in other places. I'm starting to feel the same way about Amari Cooper, that even if it's Jacoby Brissett throwing in the ball for 17 games, who else is taking targets away? And you can say David Njoku all you want. It's not happening.
3: No, it's the David Njoku play is really an efficiency bet. I don't think he's going get to a, get a ton of targets. So I'm with you on Amari Cooper. I think the market's overreacted a little bit to the, you know, the expectation of Watson being suspended for possibly the entire season. You know, I'm looking at our rankings right now. And we've got him around wide receiver 27 in full PPR. The ADP is now getting dragged down more towards wide receiver 30. So I feel like at that point, given his talent, He's still in you know, the tail end of his peak years, but he's still in his peak years. Talented wide receiver. I think, I think Cooper is a little bit undervalued.
2: Yeah, especially with, I mean, obviously if we're talking like upside type things here, like he could lead the league in target share this year. That wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility based on the receiving core that Cleveland has. Now, they're not going to throw the ball a ton, so it might not be the overall target leader, but he could be definitely top five.
3: Yeah. And I actually like a couple of receivers from Cleveland. I like the rookie David Bell quite a bit. I'm sure if you had a Miko on, he talked about David Bell because he's really, really high on David Bell, but I think Bell and his short eight out role, um, just a lot of uncertainty with him being a rookie. People just don't really want to draft a secondary Cleveland wide receiver at all at this point. And Him and Cooper kind of, you know, I'm not sure I would want to double up on them in a draft because I'm not sure the overall team passing volume is going to be there for them both to hit their upside cases, but they're both good gambles individually at their price tags.
2: Well, let's jump into the tiers wide receiver rankings for 2022. I'm going to give you a list of 10 guys right now and we'll see actually a list of eight guys i think there's a pretty clear eight guys maybe we can bump some guys up bump some guys down but for the first two tiers of this cooper Cup, jamar chase justin jefferson devontae adams uh cd lamb tyree kill mike evans stephen diggs is there anyone else you would throw into that overall conversation do you think i
3: like you said mike evans right yeah Yep. um no, I think that's pretty good. Uh, maybe Keenan Allen at the at the back end of that group.
2: All right, so is there a distinct tier 1 of these guys? Like if we're thinking about number 1 overall, it's you'd be hard-pressed to let's make the case against Cooper Cook. Cooper, Cooper Cook, Cooper Cup as the number 1 wide receiver in fantasy football. Historic year coming off that Probably unlikely to repeat itself, although you could take 75% of his year. He'd probably still be the number one receiver. Uh, he has some challengers coming up through the rear. You add Allen Robinson to this offense. Maybe that does take away a little bit. Maybe offenses are more keen to key in on him. Like, What are the – and this is just – we're not going to talk about injury because anyone can get injured, and therefore you're not number one anymore. But is there any realistic case where you wouldn't rank Cooper Cup number one?
3: No, quite frankly, I think he's clearly the number one. His role is just insane. You know, not not just in terms of target share, but his combination of a super high catch rate, uh, good yards per catch, plus a plus red zone role. It's really tough to go against that. I mean, if you were playing devil's advocate, I guess you'd say target share comes back down a little bit with Allen Robinson there. The team maybe doesn't have to throw a ton because uh, they're just a really strong team, and McVay will play the game script. He's not going to be a real high pass rate over expectation type of coach, and the efficiency in terms of yards per catch comes back down to earth, even if he has a high catch rate. And then that would allow some of these younger wide receivers like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson that have a huge ceiling in terms of efficiency and could dominate team targets to maybe pave the way for them. That would be that would be the case against Cooper Cup. But there's for me, I'm taking him, number one. I think, there is a, I think you can tier him with the other guys, though. Like I think Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are in a tier one with him, possibly Devontae Adams, too. I think there's a top three to four that I would designate before getting into CeeDee Lamb and the other guys.
2: I am on the same page with you in terms of Cup probably being as a part of that tier. However, I'm looking at the runthesims.com projections. Go sign up, create your own for free, adjust these however you like. In full point PPR scoring, the difference between Cooper Cup, who projects as number one, and Jamar Chase, who projects as number two, is currently 71 points. It's a lot. Yeah. That would make him on a tier by himself at that point.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to see what we have here. Um I don't have it real quickly on the back end. Good press. Yeah, that would make him a tier one by himself. He's probably close to a tier one by himself. I just, it's more of a a pro Jefferson Chase argument, I think, than it is an anti-Cup argument. Like a little bit of regression for Cup and then those guys. I mean, Jefferson and Chase are so unique in terms of the combination of youth, talent, already have a production profile that we can lean on and they're both in offenses that could be taking steps forward, you know, Minnesota in terms of having a new coach that might not be as boring as the old coach and pass more frequently, that could be a big deal for Jefferson and chase. um, You could also see with Joe Burrow second year back from the ACL injury, insanely efficient last year. Do they open up the passing game a little bit more?
2: So cup right now we have projected at 29% market share in this offense and a 34% Uh, Touchdown share of the receiving touchdowns on the team. Like that's, that doesn't even sound outrageous. And that still makes him over 70 points better than everyone else.
3: Yeah. And our base target share is 28% for Cooper Cup. Um, We always project a little bit more than 100% for all the teams just to be conservative, given the chaos of an NFL season. So he gets scaled down to 26.5%, still puts him at. You know, 162 targets on the season nine and a half a game and yeah you know, the big thing for him is catch rate in full ppr leagues he is going to catch 70 plus of his balls he has done it four consecutive years he's caught at least 70 percent of his passes and you mentioned the touchdowns i think he fits in really well with stafford in red zone role so I don't know if there's much more to say about Cup. I think he's really safe. I think it would take an injury for him to fall out of the top five wide receivers this year.
2: And this is something that Amico and I talked about a little bit on our show in terms of relative value. Like, if you take Cooper Cup at number three overall, and he ends up being wide receiver four this year, that's fine. And I think that people forget that. Uh, obviously, you would want him to be number one by and large. But if you're being picked third overall or even first overall in a lot of circumstances, it's going to be tough to outperform your draft position when you're going that yeah. high the the key is like you want that safety along with the upside of some of these guys now injuries can always wipe that out but if you're looking at floor it just doesn't seem like anyone is on his level especially from a week-to-week consistency type of bases and that gets lost I think that's something to keep in mind for like the first five rounds of an NFL draft that like even if you take in round five or round four let's say and you have pick number 46 like well if he doesn't finish wide receiver number three then and it was a waste of pick. It's like, no, if he was the 46th best player in fantasy that year where you took him, you'll live with that. You're trying to win your leagues by hitting on your round 17 guy, aren't you?
3: Yeah. And in terms of floor, too, I think that, you know, circles back to how I have these tiers where I don't see worlds where Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams are healthy for a full season and don't finish, you know, in the top 10 wide receivers overall. Uh, whereas you start getting into CeeDee Lamb, Stephon Diggs. I do see some routes where they have a full season and uh, they they could be a little bit disappointing. um, If if things just don't play out exactly as we hope.
2: Well, let's get to the next two that you keep mentioning, Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase. Obviously we saw the skill set. That was one that we nailed last year. At least I nailed. I don't know about you. I don't know if we made any Jamar chase bets, but I was very big.
3: Oh yeah. We were both pro chase. Chase was my biggest hit of anything last year. So um I was very pumped for that
2: season. And because you're in a safe space on the Pat Mayo experience, we don't talk about our losses, which were many, no. many bad calls. We, we're just, we, we just don't like, need to talk about Odell, Backham,
3: LaViska, Chenault. No, we don't need to talk about them. Let's just talk about Jamar Well,
2: those are your misses. That's where I won the money off you because you bet on those losers. <laughs> like, good God, man. Who's the LaViska Chenault of this year? Is it Ronald Rondell Moore again? I like Rondell Moore. Rondell
3: Moore's not nearly I think I think the Chenault thing. I don't run more. probably a good comp. I think sky more is kind of similar. Um, I can think I, Rondell is a better comp can, because can we I, have a year of him not doing super well. And he had some chances and whereas like sky Moore, we just don't know. There's more uncertainty. And, and um, I'm just trying to think of guys that are inflated who were thought of as undervalued prospects. And as a result, I think we root for them more than we should. If that makes sense where we're like, Oh, this guy that we really liked as a prospect—he got drafted in the second round—and like, even like Sky Moore for example. Like, so many wide receivers went before him. Like, I like Sky Moore. I'm glad that he won in the second round. His landing spot was amazing, but uh, ultimately, I do think we need to be somewhat grounded that he was—you know—ten wide receivers went before him in the draft.
2: Oh, so what you're talking about is the Twitter bubble circle jerk wide receiver every year?
3: Uh yeah, and I, I definitely get caught up in that. Uh, I'm a Rondell Moore Stan. Uh, his ADP is definitely more. Uh, palatable than uh, Chennault's Chenault, for a couple of years there. We were really chasing. I think the key though is to be careful is to not, not buy the upside. Um, Brandon Ayuk was a guy last year that I loved in a vacuum, right? Like, this is a type of guy that has a huge breakout profile, but it just got to a point with his ADP where it wasn't worth taking him because it was completely baked in all that stuff and none of the risk was baked in. So, whenever you're taking a player, you do need to kind of consider where they're going. How much upside is there beyond that? Is the risk being taken into account? And uh, you know, we kind of have blind spots for guys that we like in a vacuum, and then everyone starts
2: to like them. We need to be able to reevaluate and readjust on those players. Brandon Ayuk this year a much better value, I think. And we had Absolutely. the D- I think we had the Debo versus Ayuk discussion from last year. I think that's when I had my Debo is to comp. That was a good one.
3: <sighs> More hits for us, Debo. Yeah, De- Debo came through huge. And that was like a crazy price discrepancy. Like those two should have been priced similarly last year. Uh, I thought Debo was a favorite to out target IU last year. Um, and they ended up at times being four rounds apart. You know, it was kind of nuts. Um, we see that with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett this year too. Like at one point I tweeted earlier in the off season, they were 26 wide receiver spots apart, which just, uh, even if you give all the tiebreakers to DK Metcalf, which probably you should based on his age and his profile, it's not a twenty-six wide receiver difference. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a ten to fifteen wide receiver difference.
2: If you like Sky more so much, I, I am willing to let your hundred buyer sorry two hundred bucks right now. We'll go hundred right now. I'll take MVS versus Sky more, no question right now. No, I I think those. I think. MBS muck,
0: is, muck, muck,
3: muck. I, I said Sky Moore is like this year's Chenault, man. So I'm kind of. That's your guy. You were willing to
2: bet on Chenault last year.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm adjusting my priors. I'm getting better. This is growth, growth mindset. Okay. I uh, know I'm not taking that. I think MBS is, uh, he's definitely more like, like his median outcome too is a lot better. I think his ceiling maybe is a little bit lower than Sky Moore. It's just because I don't think he can ever be this big time target earner where sky more, there's more uncertainty there, but they just paid MBS what three years, 30 million. I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna play. There's a lot more certainty there. So I'm not, I'm not taking that one. We'll find a bet. It's not that
2: one. Justin Jefferson. Let's get to him. Uh, I believe my initial rankings that I jotted down, I had him at number two. I feel like he is the biggest threat to become the number one wide receiver. And you kind of hit on it where you get rid of Mike Zimmer as the head coach, Kevin O'Connell in, Clint Kubiak as the OC. This could really work out well if it's a more pass-heavy offense. And you think they want to limit what they do with Delvin Cook because he's been banged up for so much. A high-efficiency type role from Delvin Cook. Just kind of trumps everything in that offense if you can really utilize him properly. And Jefferson has just taken over the reins from Adam Thielen in this offense. I guess the one drawback would be is. That Minnesota actually has a bunch of good red zone threats that aren't Justin Jefferson for him hitting his overall upside. Like As much as people want to bag on Thielen, it's like, oh, well, touchdown regression has to be coming for Adam Thielen. It's like, maybe they just run a lot of plays for Adam Thielen in the red zone because he's good at those routes. He's good at creating space within five yards of the goal line, and he's just open every single time. There's a reason that his touchdowns continue to spike. It would be like saying, like, and I don't know if this is going to be the case with Devontae Adams, we get to him. It's like the Packers would get to the the five-yard line, Rodgers would look around and he's like, oh yeah, I know how uh, I can just give this little signal to Devontae Adams. He's going to be wide open and I'm just going to throw to him every time. Not sure that manifests itself as much in Vegas, but at least we know with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback and Adam Thielen on the field, they just like throwing to him and you're going to get Big Irv. I mean, how can you love Justin Jefferson so much when you know, Big Irv is going to be the number one tight end?
3: Dude, Big Irv at one point this offseason was such good value, but uh, unfortunately it did not last. Like people... He, he could just do what Ty Conklin did last year and be worth what his ADP is. And he's, you know, better than Ty Conklin. But yeah, well, the way we do TD rates is we kind of have two benchmark TD rates for a player. One is just a naturally regressed touchdown rate based on, um, you know, layering in some league average stuff with their historical numbers and Adam Thielen kind of crushes Justin Jefferson in that regard because he's been so high, and Jefferson doesn't have as high of a sample as Thielen does um, because we go back like three seasons. Then we have a second touchdown rate that's based off their ADOT and their profile a little bit more, and Jefferson slightly edges out Thielen there. When you balance them out, we definitely expect Thielen to have a higher TD rate than Justin Jefferson, but I think he'll be closer than in years past. It did seem like they were running some of those goal line plays for Jefferson last season. And when you're just as talented as him, you know, you're going to turn some targets into touchdowns. He's got 17 touchdowns through two years. So it's not like he's been lacking in the touchdown department. He's just, you know, might not have that 16 TD upside.
2: But that's the thing. If we're talking about number one wide receiver, what he does to, let's say Cup just regresses a little bit in terms of overall numbers by 15%, whatever it might be. Jefferson needs to step up into that 14 touchdown, 15 touchdown sphere in order to have a chance to be at number one. And I think that he can do that. That's why I'm going to rank him at number two. Maybe the, we see a bit of a drop off from Theon, but Theon's actually shaping up to be a pretty good value right now.
3: Yeah. I mean, he's the type of guy I always have. To, I, this was kind of Theon for me last year too. I have these guys where I go as conservatively as I possibly can with their inputs sometimes, and they still pop as okay values. And uh that's the point where you just can be like okay you know this might not be the archetype of wide receiver that I like to target but uh that's being fully baked into the market and I'm taking him it does seem like he's cropped up a little bit he was like wide receiver 36 plus for a while I'm seeing him you closer to wide receiver 30. he seems yeah he's fine I don't I guess I don't love him but I don't hate him either
2: yeah, we haven't projected his wide receiver number 25. I don't know how much I buy into that. Plus, we do have his touchdown share lower than Justin Jefferson's in the median projections that Run the Sims is pumping out right now. And that makes sense when you look at the overall scope. It just. In certain parts of the field, once we're in close, does that lean more towards Adam Thielen? Because he's going to get those looks, it seems, regardless of how well or not well he's playing in between the 20s. And, and maybe this is the year that he falls off the cliff. The weird thing is, when you look at the rest of Minnesota's receiving core, like K.J. Osborne's coming back, and then you have uh, Alanis Marcet, who they're bringing in. I don't know if these guys actually factor into anything, do they? Or is K.J. Osborne going to do what he did last year, uh, come back healthy and be like, hey, you know, I'm going to have some of these games where I have seven for 79?
3: I think it's going to be pretty concentrated. We are conservative on Thielen's target share, just given the age and like the cliff drop-off that there can be. But I don't see Osborne being more than like, Low double digits, maybe mid teens target share guy. But as you said, even beyond him, there's not that many guys. So I expect them to play pretty tight. And there's some teams like this, Cincinnati last year, for example, you know, people are, and this feeds into Jamar Chase, who's next in line. But people sometimes are so worried about, oh, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, how can they both get targets? And then you look and it's like, okay, they have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon, you know, CJ Uzama, but literally nobody else plays. Like they just don't get on the field. They have a certain personnel that they're using all the time. Now, a new coach in Minnesota, we're not entirely certain what the personnel package is going to be, but I expect we're going to see really heavy, concentrated target share and usage on four to five guys. And the peripheral guys on Minnesota just aren't going to see the field that much where there are some teams where, you know, there's some pesky, annoying guys. that are going to siphon off five to 10% target share and it adds up.
2: And even with the names that you rattled through with Jamar pertaining to Jamar Chase right now, like CJ Uzama is gone. You have the sampler, Drew Sample and Hayden Hurst at tight end. You're probably going to see a lower market share combined from Hurst and Sample and the rest than you probably saw from Uzama and Sample last year. Uh, i would say probably slightly less which leaves even more room for boyd for chase and for higgins i'm not sure what to make of it like yeah you have to rank chase at number two or number three and hell number one if you really wanted to the only thing that i worry about is that can he just score 70 yard touchdowns all the time like doesn't eventually teams are like man we should really do something about this (laughs)
3: yeah the thing though is with T Higgins talent who I'm really high on and with Joe Burrow's talent, I'm not sure there's too much teams can do. And chase came in and part of the reason we liked him so much last year, people were so worried about like this BS, you know, he can't catch the ball in the off season and all this, you know, he took a year off and all this stuff. When he had he's had one of the best wide receiver prospect profiles that we've seen the last decade. You know, this wasn't just like a good prospect with a good year. This was an amazing prospect who had an amazing rookie season. His combination of a dot and yards after catch is really unique. So um, reminds me of AJ Brown a little bit in some ways where you've get this guy that can win down the field, but then he can also take a slant or a screen to the house, which we've seen Jamar chase do. And it becomes tough to keep a player like that down. I think he's less likely to see the volume overall that Jefferson and cup are, which is why I have him third, but it's a really close third because he's, he's the type of talent that you want to bet on. Um, Ben Gretch always tells me, you know, we want, you know, small, small losses and big hits is what we're going for. And I think guys like chase epitomize that where maybe off the total volume, he finishes, you know, wide receiver five instead of wide receiver three as we hit on. But he also has the elite skill set where if T. Higgins gets hurt or this team decides you're going to throw as much as Kansas City does, all of a sudden he's got a Cooper Cup type season in his outcomes in terms of total fantasy points.
2: So this is the way. That I have them ranked in, and that's actually the order that they're being drafted in right now. So cutting analysis from the two of us. Cup, Jefferson, <laughs> Chase, one, two, three. Cup's going on average around pick number three overall. Jefferson going at five. Jamar Chase at seven. Do you think those are appropriate spots for those guys, or do you like to go up the board for the safe wide receiver rather than taking even a Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, the other guys that are going in that mix along with Derrick Henry, and who was the other one there? Delvin Cook, Joe Mixon, like those types, knowing that it's more valuable to your team if you hit on the awesome running back who doesn't get hurt. Also knowing that their floors are non-existent.
3: Yeah, I mean, if I'm in a managed league, uh, I really want one of these top three wide receivers to build my team around where you have to pick which receivers you're taking each week. Having um, you know these guys baked in is just such a huge deal and a huge win. And again, you're de-risking your first round pick because you don't have the injury rates and the bust rates that you do at the running back position. So I'd have them even further up the board in basketball. It's a little bit trickier where you, know, you don't have the waiver wire to replace running back production. That's a big deal. You can also take advantage of, you know, spike weeks from wide receivers that don't see a ton of targets because you don't have to decide ahead of time, who's in your starting lineup and you can make up for passing on one of these guys. And I think in those types of leagues, the rankings you gave are accurate, but for a managed league, I don't know if I'd say I have them one through three, but I have them in the top five. These three wide receivers.
2: I could see even starting your drafts one, two, three with these guys and simply what you've kind of alluded to that best ball versus season long when you have to manage a league and you have to start guys every single week and make those critical decisions. Yes, it would be awesome to have 17 games of Jonathan Taylor. I would rather take 17 games of Jonathan Taylor over 17 games of Cooper Cup. Although it is not a guarantee that Cooper Cup plays all 17 games. We know. I mean, he's been hurt midseason before. That it's just more likely, like you mentioned, that the bust rates for wide receivers are a whole lot lower. Although we saw a lot of attrition from, like, the top 12 wide receivers last year. We, We got, like, a new influx, like a new crop. It seemed like a lot of the guys that had been there for the past five, six years kind of aged out, got injured, whatever it may be, and allowed this new class of guys to step up. But... The waiver wire, I think, is the biggest thing with all of this, where you can't replace people on your best ball team. It's really hard to find receivers off the waiver wire, like maybe one or two come around throughout the course of the season that you're going to play every single week in your season-long league, whereas you can find a running back to plug in every week if you really wanted to. They may not be great, but you're going to find like five to ten every year that are just starters for multiple weeks on your fantasy team, top 20 plays, and then you have your like 20 to 40 ranked guys during the week who could. Pop up like you know, like the old school Bilal Powell's of the world. Like those guys are fine for a one or two week plug. If someone on your team gets hurt,
3: especially if you're in a PPR league where you know you want—I mean, wide receivers are just going to outscore running backs in PPR leagues overall. So if you want your third wide receiver to crush other teams' third wide receivers, if you want your flex spot to be good wide receiver, well, you have to start that first wide receiver early. You can't draft four wide receivers at the same time in round four. You got to start with wide receiver one early. And the Blob Powell's of the world are more usable as a pickup in full PPR leagues. You can just find these guys there and get you 10 points and they might not get absolutely killed at the position. Um, even someone like Jonathan Taylor, we saw uh, at times last year, you know, the, the weekly floor, you know, you have the game against Jacksonville at the end of the year. I mean, you get to just cherry pick one game, but uh, someone who doesn't, I mean, how many targets did he have the last four or five weeks this season? It wasn't, it wasn't many at all. So if the game script doesn't go right, even for a guy like JT, like, like it could get to the point where it's just an average score that becomes much more replaceable than what you're going to see with these top three wide receivers.
2: You're also looking at a situation now where so much has been written about and it's come to fruition the past few years is that people do want to take these running backs early. Cause once you get the middle of the third round through rounds eight, it's just been labeled the running back dead zone. But I think that the efficiency in the ADP market has kind of factored that out a little bit because everyone is now realizing what's going on with these fourth round fifth round running backs the guys that would normally be going in the fourth and fifth round are just now going in the eighth and ninth round that maybe there is something to taking advantage of that overall public perception it was like the year that finally everyone decided zero rb is the move you know what the move was to draft running back early but for years when everyone was going running back running back the move was just to take wide receivers early
3: Yeah, and last year, running back, running back, and then hitting wide receivers worked really well. This year, to your point, I'm not sure that's exactly the case. I think the wide receivers, we have uniquely talented wide receivers at the top of this draft, and I think the wide receivers in rounds three through six are a little bit riskier and not as good as the wide receivers last year. That couples with the fact that, um, you know, at least at times during the offseason, Aaron Jones and Saquon Barkley are going round three. It seems like they've moved more into round two. But even someone like a JK Dobbins is available at like the end of round five. You know, these are players that in previous years would have gone round three. Um, the guys in the seventh eighth round, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Elayer, like you can get by like those guys are really risky when you're taking them over the Cooper Cups that were last year in rounds four, five and giving up that wide receiver upside. Uh, when you're talking taking them past Brandon Cooks and guys like that, you know, it's a different ball game.
2: I would even wager that. I don't understand why Cam Akers is going in the fourth round. That makes absolutely no sense to me. That might be, at least in my mind this early on, the number one pick in fantasy football.
3: I didn't even know which way you were going to go with that because I've seen people that are very staunchly for Cam Akers, very staunchly against. I am super boring and I have him neutral. Where what, 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 I see, can, I can, absolute... can you
2: can you please describe to me the case against Cam Akers? Like, I don't understand it.
3: Yeah, he comes back from the injury maybe a little bit too soon. We don't know if the health's in a great spot. He was extremely inefficient on the ground game. And we saw in the Super Bowl that you know Daryl Henderson was just a more effective back for them because of his ability to pass catch. So the bowl case for Akers is easy, is McVay likes to lean on one guy. If he leans on Cam Akers, there's almost no way it goes wrong barring injury because they're going to get so many red zone touches and I'll get some catches. The bear case is that Cam Akers you know come came back from a pretty serious injury, came back early. just isn't that good anymore. Isn't the pass game running back? And all of a sudden the floor starts to become a lot shakier.
2: I would push back on that. And anyone gleaning for anyone gleaning that much from cam Akers returning in record time, from an Achilles tear, and that all of a sudden he's an ineff- inefficient back because he was probably like fifty percent what he was playing, and we did see that inefficiency it was a nice spot to pick on cam Akers' unders in the prop market because it didn't make any. It was even like when Derrick Henry came back when he shouldn't have come back. These guys wanted to play, they got out yes. there, but now he's had eight months left to heal. If he was able to come back and play at an NFL level, despite being inefficient. Three months after tearing his Achilles, I would wager that he's, and I am going to wager on it by taking Cam Akers wherever I can, that eight months later, he probably looks a little bit better.
3: Yeah. And I, you know, I probably overplayed the, you know, the efficiency angle. I'm just kind of trying to make the bare bull cases. Like, again, I have them neutral. I guess a simpler way to put it is that Cam Akers is now a two down back. And anytime you're taking a two down back in the first, you know, in round at like the three, four turn or whatever, there's a lot of risk in doing so. The offense has to be as good as we think it will be. Um, The efficiency has to be there, and it's a little bit concerning.
2: I would think that with the potential upside that can go along with that pick, that I'm willing to waste. If it's the first pick of the fourth round and Cam Akers is sitting there, I I just don't see why you wouldn't shoot for all that upside. We talked about you you do want to draft guys who (laughs) do have that floor, and maybe with the case that you're making, he doesn't. But if you want to talk about people overperforming and returning value on a pick, like just circle that one.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, I I don't have anything against it. It's, I see both arguments, quite frankly. And I'm, I'm very boring neutral on Cam Akers.
2: I mean, that's why you're a projection guy. You got to be boring and neutral. Hot, Hot takes are not long for the projection market, sir.
3: Yeah. You get burned on those. You learn. You learn fast.
2: I mean, when you had Chenault ranked as wide receiver one last year, I thought it was a bit crazy. <laughs> but hey, what do I know? Let's talk. The math
3: always works out for you if you just give a guy a higher target share than
2: he should. Have. Of course, of course. <laughs> and maybe the offense would be somewhat competent. That we, I think, we all kind of missed on. We didn't think that Lawrence was just going to be awful. Yeah,
3: or I mean, we, we maybe should have seen the Urban Meyer train wreck coming a little <laughs> bit more than it. it's just so bad.
2: Let's talk about Devontae Adams, because I think that I'm good with Tier 1 being Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. And I know that most people would put Devontae Adams on this tier, but we just kind of spelled out a case, a more viable case, obviously, against Cam Akers r- returning. I mean, a guy who's being drafted like 7th overall last year is now going 41st overall because uh, he tore his Achilles. Fair, I I guess that that part is fair. Can you come back and be that other guy again? Although much of the him going number seven overall was us trying to complete a story and baking out all of his upside in a situation with Adams. How much of it was Rodgers? Because I'm concerned that a lot of it was Rodgers.
3: I think that's an extremely valid concern because, you know, it was absolutely a unique connection, particularly in the red zone. And... Initially, my thought was coming into the year, Devontae Adams is going to be quite overvalued and doing more projections work. My take has sort of morphed that I think this Las Vegas offense is going to attempt so many more passes than the Green Bay offense did last year that the downside to leaving Aaron Rodgers basically gets canceled out. With yeah, but, but you're, 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 working on, you're
2: working on two levels here, though, because there's a bunch of different factors that go into it. Yes, I agree with you that the Raiders will probably pass more than the 2021 Packers did, but... The same time, there is that red zone efficiency in the connection that he had with Rodgers especially by the goal line. We kind of like half heartedly joked about it with Thielen, which I do believe is a real thing, but could be going away. I think it's a real thing. I mean, yeah. it, it has been a thing with Adams. His entire, even when Adams wasn't good in terms of fantasy, and like he was just on the radar, he was still scoring touchdowns. That was still he and Rodgers connection. Is he going to have that with Carr? Well, maybe, but. Kerr's not half as good as Rodgers, so that has to hurt him. And that's kind of the thing. Like, even though they weren't passing a ton, the efficiency between Rodgers and Adams was through the roof because Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and Derek Kerr is good, but he's just a guy. He is not the worst quarterback in the league. He's not the best quarterback in the league. He's somewhere in the middle, and that's fine for the overall numbers. Like, I'm looking at more – like a rushing rate of 42% for the Raiders this year which means they'll pass with Josh McDaniels as their head coach around what 58% of the time and I have him at a 25% market share in this offense because he has to compete with Hunter Renfro with Darren Waller and if they start throwing to running backs at all he has to compete with those guys for share as well Keelan Cole is just randomly on this team basically replacing Zay Jones. He or even Demarcus Robinson is probably just there to give them intel on the Chiefs offense. Either way, there's just more bodies around than whatever was going on in Green Bay last year. Like Robert Tunyon was the second option on that team and he got hurt. Like, who else could they throw to besides Devontae Adams? 25 seems like a pretty reasonable number. If he goes over it, I'm not going to be stunned, but I think that's a fair projection because he could go under that in this offense as well. And a 25% market share of targets in the Raiders offense with a 58% passing rate from Derek Carr and a catch rate over 73%. He's wide receiver 10 in PPR for me.
3: See, I think you might maybe it's more of you being aggressive on some other guys. Cause honestly, those inputs aren't crazy far off from what we have. I have a base target share before getting scaled down a little bit of 25% for Devonte Adams to account for the fact that it's much more competition than he had in green Bay. But uh, I do also, we bake in upside cases for guys as well. So our rankings aren't purely based off a base projection scenario. And one of the reasons why we have upside cases for guys is because you know, certain guys if things break right we know could earn like a shit ton of targets so this was part of the reason why we liked stefan diggs two years ago coming to buffalo because even though it looked crowded when he came into buffalo and john brown was there and cole beasley was there we're like he has the type of talent that he could earn a big target share that ended up coming to fruition same thing with Devontae adams like we have to account for the fact that this dude has had a 33 ish percent target share year in and year out so i think he has that type of talent So I want to bake that upside case in, even though I agree from base projection scenario, putting him at 25%. And I think we have Las Vegas throwing a little bit more aggressively than you. Uh, We have them at a 63% pass rate in terms of called plays. Now that includes sacks and scrambles. So it's going to be a little bit, it's not one-to-one to to the number that you gave us trying to do the the conversion real quick, but I didn't have time. Um, And I think... You know, between Josh McDaniels and how the team called plays last year and between you know the competitiveness of the AFC West, that they're going to have to throw the ball a good bit. So more team pass volume. And also, like, this is going to be, even though there's a lot more bodies to throw to, I think it's going to be kind of like the Minnesota-Cincinnati thing where we're not going to see a lot of peripheral guys come into play. Could be wrong there. And if, like, injuries happen to other guys too, right? Like, if Darren Wall or Hunter Renfro goes down, all of a sudden that we know Devonte Adams can earn 30 plus percent targets. Whereas you know some of these other spots, you know, look at CD lamb in the next tier. We don't like, we're hoping he can earn like a huge target share with Amari Cooper down, but we, we don't know that's true. We don't know that's the case. Whereas Adams, we have a good bit of history and we know in a certain circumstance that he can. I also think you might be shortchanging Derek Carr a little bit, even though it sounds like your catch rate's pretty high, but Derek Carr's been just under eight yards per attempt, three straight seasons. His completion rate is huge. So that's going to play well for a guy like Adams in full PPR leagues. Completion rates around like 69% over the last three seasons in aggregate. And then Adams has a high catch rate. Like he could be catching just an absurd percentage of his
2: balls. I can see that, but he caught an absurd percentage of his balls from Aaron Rodgers at the same time. And those were more likely... More de- Rogers not afraid to squeeze it into some space when it comes to Devontae Adams. I just worry if Derek Carr starts trying to do that, that completion rate goes down and those turn into picks.
3: Yeah, I just, I guess I just don't see that given Carr's ability to complete passes at such a high rate uh over the last few seasons. And I think Devonte Adams's talent is, I mean, he's. Just, I just think he's really talented. I So for me, it's just like an offset. I mean, this is the guy we were talking about as like the consensus wide receiver one last year. So even dropping him to wide receiver four and saying he's clearly four and he's not in the top three is a drop off from last year.
2: Well, I have just boosted up just to see what the projections would say. And the reason that we do this show and talk through tiers and rankings because you can just go to any site, print off the projections and be like, well, those are my rankings. You probably do pretty well. To be perfectly honest with you. But I do think that there is nuance to some of these rankings, that just because one guy, like I said, projects his wide receiver 10, I'm pretty sure that Run the Sims has Debo ahead of him, which I don't agree with whatsoever. I think that guy is a potential huge bus candidate this year in terms of where he's being drafted. I'm going to be substantially lower on him than the projections would indicate. And with Adams, I'm going to have him above wide receiver 10. But I just bumped him, I bumped up the pass rate to a full 60% for the Raiders. The catch the target share for 30% with Devonte Adams and just touch those two things. So more passing and 5% percentage points higher in terms of the market share of targets. And that still only gets him to wide receiver four.
3: So he's still behind those. You got to have some optimistic inputs on some of these other guys. Cause I mean, that sounds, you know, that's basically what we have is 60. Per, if we, I did strip out the, you know, the sacks and the scramble. So we have 59.7% pass rate. Um, when you strip that out. With basically a 25% base target share and a, a 31% ceiling target share. So um either we're expecting a lot more efficiency from Vegas or you know, we're just being a little bit more conservative on the competing players.
2: I, I think that's probably what it is, because after the top three, once you get down into the like Adams and like below, all the guys are separated by like, 15 to 20 fantasy points in PPR overall, which is a pretty slim margin. Like one guy misses one game and he's at the very bottom of that list. And those circumstances happen. But I just wanted to try to prop him up to be as close to the other guys as possible and how that would actually come to fruition. And he's still well behind Chase and well behind Justin Jefferson, obviously Cooper Cup. Because I wanted to have the tier discussion that I think that Devontae Adams may be the best guy of tier two, but I think that he's in the tier two now. Yeah, I can buy that.
3: You know, we can meet in the middle. We'll put them tier two and we'll put them at the top.
2: Well, we'll see here, because I want to talk about Mike Evans. Why can't Mike Evans go back to being the Mike Evans when I when people remember me from fantasy football? It was, you know, Mike Evans, that year with Jameis, like, you got to draft this guy in the first or second round. Don't let him get past the middle of the second round if you have the pick. Don't wait for him. Uh, like, if you're at the back end of the second round, you're kind of screwed unless he falls, because you're going to need this guy. And he was great. And it worked into a situation where who else is going to get targets on this team? Now, that's not the case anymore. But I don't know how long Godwin's going to be injured for. And I think this Russell Gage thing has been completely blown out of proportion. But the single biggest thing for Mike Evans, and while I don't think that Gronk actually stays retired the entire year, I set the line with Amico at like week 12 seems like the perfect scenario for Gronk to come back. Take 10 weeks off, buy a week for Tampa Bay, you're back in week 12. Everything is solved. Let's try to go win a Super Bowl. That makes a lot of logical sense to me. But it'll probably be a ramp-up time, so you're probably going to get basically non-Gronk weeks if he comes back at all, like 14, 15, whatever. All those red zone targets aren't going to Cameron Brader, that create a player that Tampa's talking about. They're going to Mike Evans.
3: Yeah, I mean, I love Mike Evans. I think like the difference between him and Devonte Adams, I just, you know, in full PPR league feel more confident in the total targets for Devonte Adams, but you can make an argument that that's not even the case given Tampa Bay's play calling, which is, Hey, we're going to throw the ball all game, no matter what, you know, the best way to win a game is not to nurse a three touchdown lead it's to extend it and just win by as large of a margin as possible. And that's not going to change as long as Tom Brady is there and it's a perfect storm for Evans to just have a new clear, particularly first half of the season with Godwin out and Gronk, uh, at least pseudo retired for the time being. So I'm really high on Mike Evans. He's someone that I feel like we're almost being conservative with, and we have him pretty clearly as a top 10 wide receiver. And, you know, even right now, I think I'm bumping him up a little bit because, uh, I do think he's he's definitely in that mix as one of the best wide receivers after that top tier.
2: So you have Devonte Adams and Mike Evans in tier two. I think that Ceedee Lamb is clearly the other guy with those two guys in tier two. Like we can, where are these cat passes going that aren't to Ceedee Lamb? Can have Dalton Schultz? Great, that's fine. Have as many as you want, Dalton. Uh, Ceedee Lamb. There's a reason that they got rid of Amari Cooper.
3: Yeah, I'm just a little concerned. I I love CD Lamb. We have him. It it doesn't
2: sound like you like CD Lamb, is the thing.
3: I just feel like the upside is really being baked in a ton with CD Lamb. Like we have him as wide receiver five slash six. And overall, though, we have him behind ADP. And he's had games, I mean, like last year in the playoffs where he's just sort of disappeared. And I'm always careful with anybody. You know, this isn't necessarily CD Lamb specific, but just thrusting volume on guys because the opportunity is there. And I do think CD Lamb is really talented. We have him for a pretty strong target share, but. what What is your target share on him? We have him at like 23%.
2: Okay, that's exact, we have his, that is exactly what we have met at 23% right now. I think it's over that.
3: Yeah, I guess that's, that's what it comes down to is. Like how much are you, we have our upside case for him, like 27%, which I guess could be a little bit higher Um, or his base could just be a little bit higher where maybe he doesn't have the 30 plus percent ceiling, but he's just really likely to be like 25% because of the makeup of the team with Amari Cooper down. Um, And that's where it's good for people listening to know uh, projections. I think sometimes people say, oh, trust the math or whatever. And uh, there's a lot of human inputs in here so garbage in garbage out uh and sometimes there's a lot of assumptions being made and it's hard to figure out what to assume for cd lamb because uh quite frankly we don't know what's going to happen with Mari cooper gone
2: well where are the targets going on this team that like what is going to be the health status of michael gallup is he going to be a week one ready guy or is he a pupless candidate
3: i think he's absolutely a pupless candidate the injury happened so late in the season i've heard people are saying he's really ahead of you know timelines but we we hear that quite often as guys are working their way back generally the picture's a little bit rosier and if it's not it's a huge red flag so uh i'm worried but the, you know i think it could just be spread out a little bit even to guys that are, are kind of no names you know i think you know tolbert james washington are going to see some targets i think we'll just see it sprinkled around they're going to use the running backs in the passing game we should see you know, target share in the high teens between Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, and I think it could just add up little sprinkles here and there. Um, is is sort of my concern. The way that Dallas plays, very spread and up tempo, that that's what's going to happen. And, I, and when I say concern, like I have CeeDee Lamb's top five wide receiver. I just, I think I'll, some people have him like first round. I just don't have him as a first round guy.
2: I can see right it now. now. I, like, I do or, think you, I do think you are inheriting a lot of upside risk by taking him at number nine overall or something like that. But if like you said, the ceiling projection in terms of market share was like 27%. Like why can't it be 33% on this team? There's a reason like they went out and they got this guy in the first round when they already had a number one receiver In an offense that does want to pass more than I think that people think. Like you said, they want to play up tempo. They want to pass.
3: They want to run a lot of plays. Um, Which is usually kind of neutral on pass rate. Well, well, that's fine. If you you run
2: more plays, then I don't care if you're 50 50. That's better than being the the 60 40 team who just runs slow as molasses. I want the high paced team. I want Dak throwing the ball to CD Lamb. That sounds like a good scenario for me. I like Dalton Schultz as well. And like I have his right now, his input at like 17% market share. But. I think that Justin's with you when he did our projections like 15% for Gallup, 11% for Tolbert, 3% for Noah Brown, James Washington 5%. Like
3: 5%? Yeah, James Washington's going to be more than that.
2: that, With Tolbert at 11?
3: well i probably have i have gallop a little bit lower because i'm more concerned about the injury all right Um, so yeah
2: when you when you take the summation of those guys market share and add them up like it sounds like we're right around the same lane like i don't see why we can't just take up 23 to 30 drop gallop drop tolbert bump up james washington a little bit and we're off to the races like that's the upset i
3: mean you just like you look at the game log from cd though there's a lot of games where he you know he disappears five targets in the playoff game uh game that he should have smashed. Well how how many um, of those let me ask you how many you know, of those ga- how many Arizona, of those games
2: targets. was Amari Cooper on the field? Amari Cooper
3: didn't do that much last year though, I guess is you know part of what I'm I'm getting at. Like, did
2: did he do enough to command enough of a target share that it would take away from CD Lamb or none of these other Jabronis can?
3: Yeah, but I guess that's where it comes back where if you're that talented it shouldn't be the case. Like I don't I don't know. It's I'm saying it's a tougher, I think it's a tougher Dynamic to figure out when the market thinks it is, which the market thinks is, oh, we like CeeDee Lamb. He's young. He's good. He's going to see 27%
2: of the targets. I don't think it's that simple. So the way that you're kind of phrasing it right now, that when we're thinking about tiers and how to draft these guys, Cup, Jefferson, Chase, tier one, Devonta Adams, tier two, it seems like we both like Mike Evans in that tier. Is C D Lamb in this tier or is he the best of tier? Yeah, he's
3: in this, he's in this tier. And maybe it's the drafts. I'm like I'm looking at more casual ADP and he's going 19th overall, and like that's a huge buy. But I've seen him go at like the like the end of round one in a lot of, you know, kind of sharper drafts, and that's where I'm a little bit more sketchy. But I definitely think he's in tier two. He has to be in tier two.
2: All right. Is there anyone else who deserves to be in tier two? Because I am thinking about breaking this up into tier two and tier three with like five or six guys that I like, but I have no idea. Like it feels like their range of outcomes is super huge.
3: So there's one other player. Uh you probably call me a homer, but oh
2: God. you so okay, how can Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis be the two best receivers in football? Please answer me that.
3: So because it's a team that's gonna challenge the entire NFL in terms of scoring. They're going to challenge the entire They are. Roll your eyes. They I mean, am I wrong? Am I wrong? They're a team that's gonna challenge the entire NFL in terms of Pass right over expectation. They're going to be top five in pass right over expectation. And Stefan Diggs is really, really good. I mean, he had a really shitty year from the efficiency standpoint. Last year, his catch rate fell from 77% to 63%. And if you just think it settles somewhere in between, I mean, he saw 166 targets two years ago, 164 targets last year. He had a really boring season, but he was like wide receiver seven last year with a really boring season in which his catch rate fell
2: 13, 14%. I am pro Steph Diggs. I don't know if it's the the back end of this year or the beginning of the next year that he's not my problem. It's Gabriel Davis. That's my problem. And I
3: Gabriel Davis is classic guy. There's a few of these guys where years ago they would have been so overvalued because of,
2: Oh, and they're not already.
3: And they're not this year. No, like him, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I think there's a group of guys that like in previous years, we'd be like, people would be overvaluing like the huge playoff game or for Amon Rob, the end of season success that he had. And now I think people are like out leveling themselves where they're like, no, we got to be like, you know, we got to be even keeled here. And they're almost not factoring it in enough. It happened with Leonard Fournette last year. Um, by myself and others too, where we were like, oh, we, you know, we just like completely threw out his playoff success in, instead of just waiting it somewhat. So Gabriel Davis, if you look, God, I, I wish I remember who tweeted this, but his, I think it might've been Hayden Winks might've tweeted it, but his expected points per game in any games that Beasley or Sanders were out, just expected points based on opportunity was wide receiver 18 last year. And I think he has a huge upside case. And the other thing with teammates too, is they don't always have to play Off one another directly. Like it's not like, oh, you can't be high on Diggs and high on Gabriel Davis when, you know, there's scenarios where they both, there's a scenario where Gabe Davis goes absolutely ham and stefan Diggs disappoints. Um and we're factoring that into to both the ranges of outcomes, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have to buy Gabe Davis and fade Stefan Diggs. We can still buy both players at their individual price tags.
2: Yeah, but the individual price tag for Davis just keeps going up and up and up and up. Do you really want to take Well, now game? it's going do you really wanna do you want so like I, I the, the example that I've used looking at like drafts over the past week on DraftKings, you might be stuck in a situation at the end of round three, beginning of round four, where you could have Gabriel Davis or Cam Akers. It's a pretty no brainer to me.
3: Yeah, I'm taking Cam Akers. I like Gabriel Davis' ADP's gone huge. I just think the ceiling I think the ceiling's fantastic. We have him like somewhere between wide receiver twenty five and thirty.
2: Okay, I, I think that's completely fair, but that's not how he's being drafted.
3: He was for a while and recently yeah. he's well, been yeah, Well, yeah, well,
2: let's go live in the past. Can I have some lottery numbers from 8 fucking weeks ago too? Dude, you you're you're the one who fucking boxed me
3: into this Gabriel <laughs> Davis corner before even hearing my take, okay? He was going as wide receiver 25 on FFPC, like the underdog drafts. Don't know are, what that is. Yeah,
2: people should play on DraftKings.
3: Or the the, the DraftKings, like some of the best ball drafts. A lot of the best ball drafters are the type of drafters that are really really going to like gabriel davis come august in your home league gabriel davis isn't going to go off the board at wide receiver 22 you are going to be able to get him in the five six turn and he's an amazing value at the five six turn
2: okay that is a very logical case i can buy into that's just not what i'm seeing right now so past people and future people remember gabe davis (laughs) great value but anytime in the now terrible value apparently and that's really going to change when you go to draft it's not going to keep going up. So, up, who do up, you have up.
3: between Gabe Davis and Amari Cooper?
2: Amari Cooper. That, that, that's we an, have Cooper. that, that is an ultimate no brainer.
3: Yeah, we have, I mean, we have Cooper ahead, but I think it's like, but this is also, again, where I was saying that wide receiver is weaker in this range than it was before. Like, it's weaker in these rounds, right? Like, sure,
2: but that's a That's that's because I'm
3: going up the board. I'm like, I love Gabe, like Amari Cooper, like you can see some of the concerns. Chris Godwin, you've got the injury stuff. I think Allen Robinson's really being overdrafted. Denver guys, I don't know what to do with. DK Metcalf, I don't want to put, like, like I mean, th- this range of the draft's just a little bit weaker overall. That's
2: not Gabe Davis's fault. No, but the difference between Brennan Cook's and Amari Cooper is like one pick. The, pick. the difference between those two guys and Gabriel Davis in the moment is like 15 to 20 picks. So
3: I don't know. You got to get out of the Gabe Davis hungry drafts. Got to find the people that don't. Like you mean
2: all, you mean all of them? there? There's one Gabe Davis guy in every draft. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. I, I'm gonna look fucking foolish next year. By the way, when he's wide receiver one this year, I'm gonna be like, I, it'll be one of those things that we don't we, talk about on the show. <laughs>
3: so you did the uh, who's this year's Cooper Cup? I'm not saying it's Gabe Davis, but like there are archetypes of players that I think can leap drafts by a huge amount and I think Gabe Davis does fit that archetype of player that could you know legitimately jump a ton um, but we have to factor in you know the base case and the risk case too so we're, we're actually pretty in line where he should go overall but there, there's absolutely a chance that you look very foolish for having anti Gabe Davis sentiment
2: well we're almost an hour into this do you, do you want to pause yeah, our conversation we're not
3: through tier two <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're through tier two. Uh, we're still on the fence about uh, Steph and Diggs. The rankings so far are Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, C.D. Lamb. I think those six are the top six for right now. We might be able to rearrange these towards the end once we have different feelings about it. And Steph Diggs is kind of the tweener in between the next few guys, the next like five... Even six guys, because I mean Deontay Johnson's tough to throw into this tier because I think that his upside oh. is, is a bit lower than someone like T. Higgins, for example. Uh, although his safety is almost unmatched at this point, and there's two guys that people aren't treating like they got an upgrade at quarterback when I mean, it's kind of the opposite case. So like Deontay Johnson did get an upgrade at quarterback by whether it's Trubisky or who, who the it's not Howell, it's a uh, Pickett. Pickett it's got to be an upgrade over last year, Ben Roethlisberger. It just has to be. So, and then, but there's the other scenario too, like the flip side scenario. of Well, Michael Pittman has to be better because Matt Ryan is replacing Carson Wentz, which I well, don't, maybe, maybe it's probably a wash. And then Terry McLaurin, although he's being drafted later, is like, what an upgrade a quarterback is. Carson Wentz an upgrade over Tyler Heineke. No, not really.
3: Dude, we caught, we caught some flack from the Washington fans. our, Terry McLaurin, our initial projection actually went down when we put Wentz <laughs> at quarterback instead of Heineke, which I actually think, from an upside efficiency standpoint, like I think you'd rather have Heineke. But I guess from a floor standpoint, maybe Wentz in terms of target share might be a little bit more stable. Like maybe the overall team is a little bit more stable. I'm not even sure if that's true, but. Uh, I guess that'd be the argument. Uh, McLaurin seems like people have started to overreact to that situation. And I think he's a good value. Yeah, he's dropped. He, like
2: he's way down the list now.
3: Like McLaurin and Pittman, to me, I feel like are are very similar, and I I'm seeing Pittman go. Pittman's substantially going. Yeah, Pittman's going McLaurin. at pick. Th-
2: Pittman is going at pick thirty right now which seems way too high and McLaurin's going right. at pick 45 he's going 15 picks later you can pass on that pick pick someone else and then get McLaurin with your next pick if you really want to like that's not that's not even like oh you'll you'll have to risk it like no that's happening
3: yeah so the, yeah the last time we pulled up our yeah we ran the the draft kings basketball adp is we had Pittman like six yeah 16 spots higher which is very substantial. Um,
2: it doesn't feel like there's that big of a difference considering I, if it was Pat Mayo's personal evaluation of raw talent, which you should not take into any consideration. I think that McLaurin's a better receiver.
3: I, I'm with you. I mean,
2: we bake in the ADP
3: into our rankings. So like on our DK ranks, we have Pittman. We basically have it Pittman, Deontay Johnson, McLaurin, but we have some guys we haven't talked about ahead of, ahead of these three, uh, but we have it in that order. If you did not bake in the ADP at all, and we bake in the ADP because you want to try and build a super team. You also want to respect the market a little bit, but if you didn't McLaurin, we would have McLaurin higher than Pittman by
2: a little bit. So here are the tier three candidates that I have to go either along with Diggs or be bump digs, digs up into tier two, Tyree kill Keenan Allen, Debo. I mean, I'm not putting Debo there. That's how the projections happen. I know why I wrote down Debo Debo's going down Tyree kill Keenan Allen, AJ Brown and T Higgins. What are the chances Devonta Smith outscores A.J. Brown this year? I think it's... 60-40, 70-30? No. No.
3: I think it's like 75-25.
2: Really? You think it's that big of a a difference?
3: I think A.J. Brown has proven himself to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, Devonta Smith has not.
2: Okay. Fair point. But... That's another offense that theoretically will run a lot, correct? Yeah, they are. They have a really wide range of
3: outcomes. So there's part of me that wants to bet on Philly strongly because if you look at their numbers last year, they came out of the gate with one of the higher pass rates over expectation. And now there's a lot of narrative to how the rest of the season played out and how it dictates what happens this year. But it wasn't really working. They found this run-heavy approach that worked. They earned the playoff hunt, and they ran the ball a shit ton. And there's a lot of people that are saying, well, why wouldn't they just do that again this year? It worked for them down the stretch last year. But the flip side of that is the team they want to be is the team that they tried to be at the beginning of the season. Now they bring in AJ Brown. You get another year with Jalen Hurts and maybe they throw a lot more. So I think there's actually a wide range of outcomes in terms of where their play calling sits, which adds some intriguing upside to the team, but it feels like the market's really baked all that in. So it's kind of all of what I just said just kind of comes out in the wash.
2: So, A.J. Brown is 75% favorite, according to you, to outscore Devonta Smith this year. Injuries notwithstanding anything that goes along with this. What are the chances T. Higgins outscores Jamar Chase? Mm, I think that one's closer, actually.
3: I think that's... 60-40? I I was going to say like 65-35, maybe 60-40, somewhere in there. Okay. And that's good. I think T. Higgins is really good. I think people... Sometimes overanalyze like oh well if you take away his few big weeks, it's like well he had a few big weeks like those <laughs> those points count. So uh, I, I I think he's really talented wide receiver. He was a boom bust prospect that boomed in his first year, had a really you know kind of frustrating start of the first season. He was that guy that we're playing in DFS every week, like saying it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And it did happen eventually. It happened in the playoffs too. So um in the Super Bowl. So yeah, I'm pretty into T Higgins. I, I definitely think he belongs in this tier with uh, the other guys you mentioned this this third tier
2: but I mean we compared AJ Brown with a guy who's going way later than him we're comparing T Higgins to a guy who's going above him in drafts and saying that he might have like a 35 40 percent chance of beating that guy in overall fantasy points this year so I think that's a strike for him uh, not against him in this circumstance chances Keenan Allen well how big of a favorite is he to outscore Mike Williams
3: I don't know. From a median perspective, like he's likely to outscore him, but Mike Williams might have more That'll seasons be. where he has like a crazy impactful season, I guess.
2: So I think that case alone, I think bumps Keenan Allen to the bottom of this tier. And then you have Tyrese. Yeah, I think
3: he's bottom of the tier. I keep, he, he's kind of high in our full PPR ranks because it's a team that's going to run up. Excuse me. He's a team that's going to run a lot of plays. They're going to have, maybe not a crazy high pass rate, but they're kind of like Dallas with a little bit pass-happier coach. So that's going to be a lot of pass attempts. And you throw in a possession receiver into that, he's just going to catch a lot of balls. And even though he's older and maybe not super explosive, if he stands upright, it's hard for him to be bad in that offense and with his skill set. It's just mathematically difficult. Uh, But at the same time, and not exactly the archetype that I absolutely love to draft here. So I've had a lot of trouble with Keenan Allen. I do agree that as a result, I probably put him at the bottom of the tier.
2: The thing is, can we even bump him down to the next year? Because I'm with you. Like, Keenan Allen is going to be one of those guys that approximately produces where you drafted him at there's very little chance that he exceeds that but with an injury or you know just attrition getting older whatever it might be there's a chance that he could substantially underperform that if Josh Palmer or Parham or Gerald Everett or Mike Williams or whoever or even Eckler just gets more involved in the receiving I mean it's hard for him to get more involved in the receiving game and I mean that's one of the cases for Allen that he's kind of steady Eddie you know what you're going to get from him but you're going to pass on a lot of guys with the substantial upside and it's hard to factor that into rankings Tyreek, Higgins, and yes. A.J. Brown, substantially higher upsides than Keenan Allen. But he's probably going to score around the same amount of points as them. <laughs> yeah, he's
3: probably going to score more by a little bit. That's <laughs> okay. why he's so hard
2: to rank. Well, how would you rank Hill versus Waddle in terms of what the percentage is that one outscores the other? So, uh, I'm
3: against our ranks a little bit here. I'm very pro Waddle. I'm more concerned about Hill. Um, you know, elite playmaking upside, extremely talented player, but Waddle had, you know, a very, very encouraging rookie season. And I think he's going to out target Tyreek Hill just based on how they're used. It's where does the efficiency come in? And um, you've got a coach coming over from San Francisco that they just dominated in terms of yak and their ability to get yards after catch. Waddle's problem last year was the way the offense was designed. He was given these short eight out routes and had absolutely nowhere to run, no room to run. So if he can have a high target share, like I think he will gobble up a high catch rate, but now we add in a little bit more plus yak ability. He's one of the wide receivers. I am excited about, at you know, like that three, four turn in the draft, if you want to take wide receiver. So I'd put these guys pretty close to 50, 50, in terms of who's going to outscore who, I guess Tyreek Hill, just because of his big play upside, you know, we're giving a little bit more ceiling to, but I, I think they're very, very close.
2: So, the way that we've talked to tier three, you still have Diggs as sort of a tweener between two and three. It sounds like you're leaning more towards two. I'm kind of digging number three for Stephen Diggs, but the top of that tier, making him number seven overall T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen. Then you have like the next tier of guys, and we're gonna cut it off here unless there's someone you really wanna put into tier three. Debo, Deontay Johnson, Waddle, Pittman, DJ Moore, Cooks, McLaurin, Metcalf. The Denver guys, Hollywood Brown, Mike Williams, Michael Thomas. Uh, he, he's a name uh, that uh, is just impossible to figure out what to do with at this point. He's either the best value or worst value in drafts as we currently understand his situation. But should Deontay Johnson be in that tier just because he's like Keenan Allen?
3: I don't think so. I agree with you that from an efficiency standpoint, there's no doubt that whoever plays quarterbacks an upgrade over Big Ben, but I don't. I'm a little worried, though, that from a fantasy scoring perspective, that Big Ben and Deontay weren't the worst pairing just because he was able to catch so many balls and was targeted so frequently. And I don't know if we can assume that same target rate with a new quarterback. And they also, at times, had this offense that threw a lot of short eight-out routes, and they had a decently high pass rate as, as a result of that. And so I think we might see a loss in volume for Deontay Johnson that I'm worried doesn't get completely offset with improved efficiency from the quarterback perspective. So I would not have him, you know, thrown into this tier.
2: I almost feel like Diggs and Higgins are their own kind of tier with AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill and Keenan Allen being their own kind of tier. Is that too micro tier for you?
3: I think it's all pretty close. I mean, I've got Diggs in a tier above and then I think, I could see going like Giggs Lamb Evans as a tier and then like Keenan and then maybe with T in there and then Keenan Tyreek Debo next. DK I know let's, you're not into Debo.
2: Let let's finish with Debo because this is uh, an interesting one. I believe I've spoken about this a few times, but I want to get your assessment of the situation. Our projections have him wide receiver number three, which I think is absolutely insane. There's three? no three, yeah. Wow. I mean, a lot of it is projecting in the market share of rushes and touchdowns that he gets there, plus going through the air with everything. But, and I know this is, you kind of just mentioned this. If you take out the big games, what happens? Well, just take out the rushing touchdowns every week from Debo Samuel. All of a sudden, he kind of sucks as a receiver.
3: So, Debo, I have a little bit of a Devontae Adams take with him where I came into the offseason thinking he'd be extremely overvalued. And then I felt like maybe not right now we have him as wide receiver 11 on DraftKings, and he's going as wide receiver seven and we're baking in the ADP a little bit so we do have him as overvalued my concerns with Debo one the rushing efficiency that you hit on like guys don't score a rushing touchdown once every 10 rushing attempts (laughs) you know it's it's it just does not happen um, that's what a ten percent rush TD rate. Like some of the best guys in the league are four, four to five percent, maybe. So you're going to take that out. He might not even run nearly as much, and well, his yards per carry was super high too. Well, here's the so, thing.
2: He'll hold on. Here's the thing. If they stop running him so much, I'm very willing to move him back up the board because, I mean, he had a great Pro Bowl in terms of targets, but just look at his target share. Four target in the playoffs. Four targets. Four targets three targets, six targets. That's, so I think great. regardless of the Russian stuff, I think the Russian stuff's a
3: little bit of a red herring with the target share where I think a lot of the rush attempts he's getting our place. Like I don't think he's lining up in the backfield a ton on passing plays where he and then not getting targeted, you know? So I think that's a little bit of a red herring. I don't know if it affects the target share that much. The problem is when they're healthy and Brandon Ayuk's not in the doghouse, it's a very low pass volume team that has George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk to throw to two and they will throw to random guys. So th- that's the difficulty with Wayne Debo is how much do you want to bet on talent? Because then clearly an extremely talented player, there are not many players ever in the NFL that go over two yards per out run in each of their first three seasons. Uh, and he's done it in a variety of ways. Flip side is yeah. When you run the math on the team, how many, how often they're going to pass baking in some risk, you know, with Trey Lance and the divvying up the target shares, like someone was asking me, like, are you baking in risk that Debo gets traded? And I'm like, that would not be risk to me. I would want Debo to get traded somewhere where he could see a lot more targets. I think that would be better for him, despite how efficient he's been in San Francisco. So um, that's the difficulty with Debo. Ultimately, I think you can't drop him any further than outside of the top, 12 wide receivers, 13 wide 12 to 13 wide receivers just based on talent but um I'm not going to draft him in the top 10
2: either Starting against the Rams last year was the first game he had had more than two carries. He started at five attempts, and that went up to eight, six, eight, six, five, seven, eight. He was used as a hybrid running back from that point on. Now he did score a rushing touchdown in all of those games except for two. Sometimes he scored multiple touchdowns, which really saves your fantasy season. But let's now go over to starting at that point in the games in terms of target rate. He had. Five, two, four, one, five, eleven. That would be fantastic. Six and six. Even six isn't cutting it if he's going to be wide receiver 12. Like, I don't want him running the ball unless he's going yeah. to score. A touchdown I just think that every... running
3: the football had less to do with those targets dropping off than did i uh, I do Team too. But, but, and, but
2: what if they do continue to run the ball with him? Then he's kind of fucked.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think it's anything to do with whether or not he runs the ball. I just think on San Francisco he's not going to get a ton of targets and that's the issue, regardless of what he's involved in in the rushing game. I want him involved in the rushing game because I,
2: I think the targets aren't going to change one way or the other. I see I think that I mean if you just okay. look at the be, if you look at the beginning of the season. So the, I just listed you the targets per game. He had 1 over 6 targets in the final 9 games of the year. Previous to that 9 9 11 9 13 10 8 and 12.
3: I mean, correlation is not equal causation. But, but you 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 don't me,
2: you, you you don't see the direct parallel of where this cutoff is.
3: Do, do you see the direct parallel to George Kittle going ham and
2: Brandon Ayuk not being benched? There is, but one he's like, touching it like, all out of the backfield, he, not running as many routes, and he needs to be ultra efficient. But, but if that's
3: but I don't even think that's true. Look up the routes run. I don't think as a percentage it's, it's that much lower. I
2: don't think that's true. Are they, like, real routes? Because, I mean, you might be lining up at wide receiver, but we know human nature is going to be, hey, if I know I'm going to carry the ball eight to ten times a game, might not be putting in max effort here.
3: Okay, well, I can't tell you whether or not he was putting in max effort because he knew he was going to run the ball some. I, I,
2: I would just say that when you draw the line of when he started carrying the ball out of the backfield and being used as a running back and averaging seven carries per game, his average targets went down to around four per game, where when he was touching the ball once or twice as a rusher, if that, he was averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of nine and a half targets a game.
3: I mean... I've, I've said my piece. I, I understand how it looks on paper, but... And watching the think,
2: games, too. That helped.
3: I don't think that's, like... Like, I think he just took plays that were already running plays and played running back on those plays. I agree, like but, that's,
2: but that's that's leveling up. Like Just just think about it logically. If you have a guy who's taking a pounding like that and then you're putting him back out wide at the same time, chances are you're just not going to go to that side. you got to give the guy a bit of a break.
3: Listen... You're not taking a pounding when you just score a touchdown on one every six carries.
2: I suppose that's true. All right. I like this so far. So we got, here are the rankings to this point. And we really covered a lot on this show, obviously, going really deep into the We <laughs> got rankings. him deep. So we got through three tiers. Cup, Jefferson Chase, one, two, three. <laughs> Adams, Evans, Lamb, four, five, six. Stephen Diggs, T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen. I think you should return to the show as we continue to flesh this out a little bit more. I like the start. This is what I wanted from this show because I, I want to put some thought into the rankings, where guys should go. And I like having these back and forth. So I think playing pros and cons and upside, downside is important when trying to construct rankings. I, I can just copy and paste someone's rankings and put them out there and be like, yeah, oh, bad, good rankings. No, I want to talk this through. I want to make sure that it's good.
3: We're going to have to uh do a part 2. We got We got I mean this is this is going to be like Juju Smith Schuster takes.
2: He's terrible. They're 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 Oh baby. They're they're for part take. 2. I I'm like okay. Fucking Juju kidding me? This oh.
3: year's Cooper Cup. Really? Would you some like of to be, us w- have done a t- Some of us have done a TikTok video proclaiming
2: as much. Like Cooper Cup like from last year or Cooper Cup like after he's dead? <laughs> like did you maybe put parameters on this of like what the stat line is going to be because zero for zero for zero is not going to be great or 84 catches for 80 did you yards. know two
3: years ago juju scored the same points as deontay johnson
2: i did I did know that
3: because i feel like people forget that or think it was like ages ago this is the biggest quarterback upgrade in nfl history that's could this could go this Juju season could go south in a lot of ways, but it could also go really, really right. And like a week into the season, I think we're going to know
2: one way or the other super quickly. Well, it's pretty easy just to take MVS at half the cost when he's going to be better than Juju anyway. So that that would would be the smart move.
3: There's just no season where MVS has seen more than I mean, even twenty percent of targets would just be like a huge ceiling season for MDS. We just talked Juju about a team
2: the- that had Devontae Adams and our problem with Devontae Adams is that he was coming from a low pass rate offense. You think that going into Kansas City and potentially being the number one without Devontae Adams, what is Juju Devontae Adams now?
3: Dude, and part of the reason why Devontae Adams had a 33% target share is because MDS couldn't get more than 14, 15% of the targets because he just, he's a downfield threat. He's not going to see that type of target share. Whereas Juju... Like, he could potentially see 25% of the team's targets. And, and like, if you're playing with Patrick Mahomes, if he's healthy, we don't know if he's healthy, but if he is and he can turn back the clock a little bit, there's just a huge ceiling there that isn't there for MVS.
2: I would say the opposite because the same routes that Juju oh, runs are just here. the same routes that Juju runs. Uh, they have another guy who's better on the team who does those anyway.
3: Dude, Juju ran different routes when he didn't have a guy that couldn't throw the ball more than six yards on or, the team. Or maybe Juju, Juju can run Juju's, all sorts of routes.
2: I mean, would, did he take the concrete out of his shoes? Did he regain his speed? Or does he just move around like he's a zombie? But not like the new school zombie from 28 days later. Like the 1971 Don of the Dead zombie. Does, uh, that's how he runs all Right, We've got to do uh,
3: Juju versus Brandon Cooks bat. We'll have to do oh,
2: Yeah, Yes, Brandon Cooks, 100%. Let's go. Free money. Oh, okay. Bat.
3: Yeah, let's just. Up, roll over the money I didn't pay you from last year. We'll put it on that.
2: Excellent. Double. We'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll do. Well, we still We'll do a hundred on that one. We still have a hundred to go from the Marv Jones Chanel bet.
3: <laughs> oh man, I got nothing there. I mean, one, you lo- you what? lost
2: all your money with Odell last year, but no, so let's go, let's double down on Juju. Yeah, smart move. <laughs>
3: I I'm confident with who I am. And it's that, it's you, that, I can he,
2: I can hear do. it in your voice. You sound very confident. Let's get a okay. It's awesome because you're so much better at this than me, but it doesn't seem that way in this moment. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, sometimes you need uh you need someone to drag you down to earth a little bit. So, I think for me though with juju, it's a it's like visualizing a range of outcomes thing where I don't know. I could be wrong, but I just think there's like a ten to twenty percent chance he has a nuclear season. Um and and his floor, out is, week,
2: and his um, floor yeah. is out of football.
3: Well, his his floor is yeah, his floor is very bad. Um, but he's he's just going just enough later where I'm almost like don't care as much. Um, which maybe again plays into why like I have a more pro Gabe Davis sentiment, even though we have him ranked similarly, just because I guess it depends where you're talking Gabe Davis is going, but once you start getting into round six or even end around five this year, I think a lot of players carry a lot of risk and I start to focus more on ceiling, even perhaps a bit earlier than in other years.
2: Okay. Mike Leone at two hats, one, Mike, one of my bestest friends in the fantasy football space. You can check out all of his work at establish the run. I saw you on with Levitan the other day. You're real big time. Now you're no longer the poor man's cotton. <laughs>
3: The poor man's Pat Mayo. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the Pat Mayo shirt game. I've got, usually my shirts are a topic of conversation. So I got to work on that at least.
2: At least your t-shirt isn't bacon necked this time. You're looking very presentable (laughs) these days. (laughs) I'll take it. All right secretly the rich man's Pat Mayo because he has way more money than me because he actually wins at this stuff everyone should go check out Leone at two hats one mic establish the run.com thank you all for watching that's I guess what we're gonna call part one of the wide receiver rankings unless you know you're only really concerned about drafting 10 wide receivers this year we'll get more into it more rapid pace but I, I mean listen we talked around a lot of guys deeper down the list in some situations as well so hopefully that was instructive I'll have the full list come out Running back, wide receiver, all the positions plus the top 150 when I do the top 150 show. So I'll hit up Mike again for another chat like this and expect a few more chats with Jake Seeley about running backs in the same parameters, we try to develop some of these tiers. It's still early, still plenty of time to go. You're probably not doing your draft this week, but if you are, do it. DraftKings best ball. Highly recommend that. If you want the full draft kit, hit the description. All the links are down there for free right now. Build your own custom projections at runthesims.com. Completely free for the season long projection tool. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time.